Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord. He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We cultivate curiosity. Uh, which is where we recognize that following Jesus is a lifelong process in engaging with scripture and pursuing God in a community of faith. My name is John Probst. I've been a member at Knox for about nine or 10 years, and I've been regularly coming for 12. It took me a little while to fully commit, probably. My name is Peg Foltz, and I've been a member of Knox for over 30 years. So growing up, I always, I had gone to Christian school from preschool through my master's program. I had done the theology courses and and just had Bible courses my entire life. And I had memorized what it meant to be a very specific type of Christian. And when I came to Knox, it was one of the first times that I was challenged on what it means to be a Christian in different ways and on a deeper level instead of on a memorization level. Um, I had felt at the time like there just wasn't a lot left for me to learn, that I knew a lot of it and that I was gonna have to experience faith in a different way. And um, I had been at a party and I was like, you know, I'd really love a Bible study. I was not looking for a church and was looking for a Bible study. And I was in downtown Chicago and just happened to tell somebody, hey, I'm looking for a Bible study. And they said, well, it's funny you should say that I run a Bible study. And I was like, you don't understand. I live in Naperville. This is downtown Chicago. There's, I'm not coming to downtown Chicago for a Bible study. And they said, it's funny that you should say that. I'm a pastor at Knox Presbyterian, which is in Naperville. Why don't you just come and try it out? So I came and tried it out and um, answers that I had or answers that I had been given for everything. That Bible study was like, well, that is an answer, but it's not the only answer. And it was the first time that I realized that other answers existed. And through going to Bible study and talking to people and hearing different viewpoints, my curiosity was able to grow in God again. And that's something I had lost for quite some time. I've always been um, a Christian all my life. Um, I've been exposed to Bible stories since I was young. Um, and in classes in high school and college, I studied the New Testament. 
Um, it wasn't until I went to a Presbyterian women's retreat where I was took up a challenge where I was going to start reading the Bible on a daily basis uh, using the upper room and some other devotional books. Um, and so the regular exposure really helped me understand um, the Bible a lot more clearly and a more a stronger appreciation for Jesus Christ. <clears throat> um, and I've also attended some Bible studies, which also deepened my interest. And I found that the more I learned, the more I wanted to know. Um, and recently I, uh, I went to the long story short classes that Pastor Dave held, and I'm attending his verbum classes on Thursday mornings. And again, every time I learn more, there's more I want to learn. So uh, one of the things that shocked me when I first came is people would say, hey, I read a book about this, or I read a book about this, or I read a book about this. And they recommended a bunch of books. And I was, it was kind of a running joke. I don't know if that was in the Bible study or the entire church, <clears throat> but like, oh, there's a book for this or a book for this and just different viewpoints. And the whole congregation to me seemed to have this curiosity that this interest in knowledge and learning more and expanding their faith through gaining knowledge that was impressive, that was um, something I would want to emulate, but it also is intoxicating. Like you want to keep doing it. They aren't going and telling me what I should do or what I should believe, but they are saying, hey, there's a lot that goes into this. And there's people that are smarter than me that have already done it. Here's, a, here's tools, here's resources to change, to expand, to fall into love with learning about Christ. Um, I hope going forward, Knox never loses that. They never lose that the good example that they are for the other people in the church, the good example that I hope they are for the community. And, and the, I hope Knox never stops recommending books to people because I think that will, you know, hopefully other people like me will come as well and, and it will change their lives the way Knox has changed mine. I hope that they continue to support all the wonderful Bible studies we have. If you look at our calendar, there's something almost every day, Women on Wednesdays, the Men's Daybreakers, um, and I hope that we continue to support Bible studies and people who want to pursue them, whatever their schedules are. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dave Bruner. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to be with you this morning, and I'm so glad to be sharing God's Word with you today. Uh, as you may know, and as that video reminded you, we're in the middle of a sermon series looking at our new core values here at the church that have come out of that Isaiah 6 project. And as you just saw, the core value we're looking at today is we cultivate curiosity. We cultivate curiosity. To help flesh that out a little bit, we're going to turn to Paul's letter to the Philippians. Before I read that, let's pray together. Good and gracious God, our Father in heaven, we pray that you would send the spirit of your son to be among us in this time. Help us to hear the message of Philippians. Help us to understand it. 
Help us to accept it and put it into practice in our own lives. Let us always hunger and thirst to know more about you and who you are. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. In Philippians 3, Paul writes this. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may obtain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it. The one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal, toward the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us, then, who are mature think in this way. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so the core value we're looking at today is we cultivate curiosity. And your staff and session defined that value in this way. We recognize that following Jesus is a lifelong process of engaging with scripture and pursuing God in a community of faith. And what I wanna to do today is break that core value down for you in four points. Now I tried really hard to make it only three points, but I couldn't. So I'm sorry, I know you're crushed with disappointment, but it's four points today. And here they are. So first, cultivating curiosity is about following Jesus. Second, it's about following Jesus in a lifelong process. Third, it's about engaging with scripture. And fourth, pursuing God in a community of faith. So those are the four points we're gonna talk about today. And we're gonna um, lean on Philippians to help illustrate what I'm talking about. So first, cultivating curiosity is about following Jesus. Um, here at Knox, we are a church that's focused on Jesus. You might think that would be obvious. You'd think, isn't every church focused on Jesus? Well, sadly, not universally. There are some churches that aren't. 
But here at Knox, we are not just a social club or a place for friends to get together. We exist because we want to follow Jesus. That's something Paul would appreciate. In our reading from Philippians, Paul stops to list all the elements of his heritage as a religious Jew. He was born to Jewish parents. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He scrupulously observed the law, you name it. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. Before, Jesus had been a troublemaking rabbi. Now he was Paul's Jewish Messiah. Before, Paul believed he'd been right with God by carefully observing the law. Now he was made right through faith in Jesus Christ. Before, Paul had seen suffering as something to be avoided. And now it was something to be embraced, if only because it might lead him closer to Jesus. Paul looks back at his religious accomplishments and just says, I regard it all as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. He wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. When we talk about cultivating curiosity here at Knox, Jesus is the center of that. We want to have an insatiable drive to know Jesus, an unending hunger to know him more and more and discover more about him. So that leads me to my second point. Following Jesus is a lifelong process. Following Jesus is a lifelong process. It's not something we decide to do once and then we're done with it. It's not an item we can take care of in an hour on a Saturday. Many of you can point to a before and after in your life, a moment when you decided to start following Jesus, when your life changed, when the power of the Holy Spirit touched you. And that's wonderful. But you will be the first to agree, I'm sure, that was the beginning of your Christian faith and not the end. You didn't say, right, I'm a Christian now, tick, and then conclude that you were done with it all. And once again, Paul would agree. Paul, the man who wrote half of the New Testament, Paul, the man whose words and deeds continue to inspire millions of Christians thousands of years after he lived, that Paul says in this passage that he's not done yet growing as a Christian. Not that I have already reached the goal, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. I love those words, press on. And he repeats them again and again in this passage. Press on, press on. It's the sort of thing you say to someone when you're encouraging them to stick with a difficult task or job and see it through to completion. You wouldn't say it if you're golfing with your friends on a gorgeous day, right? You wouldn't say, oh, let's press on to the next hole, unless you were being completely ironic, and then they would laugh at you. <laughs> but, you know, if you're starting a term paper that's due in three days, and you really don't want to write it, but there's a stack of books as tall as your head that you need to, right? You might say to your friend, well, uh, press on, press on, keep going. Some of you were out last Sunday at the Naperville Half Marathon on an unusually blustery and cold day. And what did you say to the people who came running by you, right? You said, keep going, keep it up, don't stop, press on, press on. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, 
I press on toward the prize, the heavenly call of God in Jesus Christ. It's the same prize that awaits all of us at the end of our earthly race. Following Jesus is a lifelong process, and that means we can, we're never done with it until God calls us home. That means we can never stop seeking Jesus, never stop trying to know him better, never rest satisfied with what we've attained, never sit back on our laurels and think we know it all. It's not how faith works. We can never stop trying to become better attuned to his will for our life and our lives as a church. Sometimes people think that they do know it all, when I was a freshman in college, I went to a Bible study through a student group I was part of. And this guy showed up uh, named Peter. Um, not to put too fine a point on it, Peter was annoying. <laughs> Have you ever been around a Christian person that had an automatic answer for any question anyone would raise about something? That was Peter. We opened up our Bibles and sat down looking to discover something we didn't already know. Someone would say, well, I just don't understand why, blah, blah, blah. And Peter would say, well, the answer is. Someone else would say, well, I've always struggled with da, da, da. And Peter would say, well, the answer is. Someone else would say, hey, have you ever noticed that? There was Peter. Well, the answer is. Now, make no mistake, Peter was a Christian and he loved the Lord, but he was immature in his faith because he didn't cultivate curiosity. He didn't leave any room for himself to say, you know, I'd never thought about that before. He didn't leave any room to say, you know, I used to think about it that way, but now I see it kind of differently. He didn't leave himself any room to say, you know, I don't know. Now, of course, I would love it if that temptation in our Christian walk was unique to Peter. Alas, it is not. Since I sat in that Bible study, I became a pastor, and then for good measure, I went on and I got a PhD in Christian theology. Do you think that I sometimes experience that same temptation? No, never. One of the most renowned theologians in the whole world is a woman named Sarah Coakley. She taught at Harvard for many years, and then she went back home to Cambridge in England. She's written many learned volumes on Christian doctrine and faith. And someone once asked her what her approach was to writing and teaching about Christianity. And she said something that stayed with me for many years. She replied, non-mastery. Non-mastery. She said that in her ministry, she always tried to advocate as persuasively as possible for the truth as she understood it. But she also always tried to stay curious, to remember that because the subject matter of Christianity is God, we can never know all the answers. It's never under our control. It's always a lifelong journey into greater and greater and greater understanding, non-mastery. That's what cultivating curiosity is. And that's what I hope we'll strive for here at Knox. Third, following Jesus is a lifelong process of engaging with Scripture. Engaging with Scripture. As we follow Jesus throughout our lifetimes, our spiritual journey will find its foundation in Holy Scripture. 
As John Calvin said, Scripture is the school of the Holy Spirit. A school of the Holy Spirit, a place we go to encounter the Spirit and learn more about Jesus. As many of you know, when children here at Knox enter the third grade, we give them a Bible of their own to keep. We hope it's a sign of their blossoming Christian faith and an introduction to the Bible for them as individuals. They now have a Bible that's theirs, that they can read, that they can mark up, that they can study. It's beautiful. Please notice, however, we have no corresponding ceremony where we take the Bible away from people. (laughs) We have no ceremony where we say, uh, right, you've learned all there is to learn. Hand over your Bible. We're going to give it to someone else who needs it. Your brain is full. It doesn't work like that. Scripture is a wild, mysterious, deep, profound, occasionally baffling book. And we're never done with it. And by God's grace, it's never done with us. There's always more to learn, more to understand, and more to appreciate about the Bible's message. Some of you know, and as a few people talked about in that video, the last couple of months, I've been leading a class here at the church called Verbum. Verbum is Latin for word. And it's a course that's designed to introduce people more deeply to the word written, to Holy Scripture, and to the word made flesh, to Jesus Christ. And we've spent the last few months very carefully working through a textbook on the New Testament. We've talked about biblical manuscripts, Greco-Roman culture, Second Temple Judaism. We've talked about the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. We're going to tackle Luke this week. We're going to tackle John in a few weeks. It's been great. It's been a ton of work, but it's been great. There's something so satisfying and powerful and enjoyable about sharing Holy Scripture with others and digging deeply into its message. My wife Becca and I have been married for 16 years now. Our marriage is old enough to drive, which is a little scary. One of the many pleasures of being married to her is those little moments when, despite how well you know them, your spouse manages to surprise you. If you've been married for a few decades, you know what this is like. Usually it's something small. You'll turn to your spouse in a restaurant and say, you ordered the lamb. Why did you order the lamb? You hate lamb. What do you mean you like lamb now? You used to, right? Or you'll say, why are you watching this movie? You hate this movie. You can't like this movie now. When we saw this movie together 20 years ago, you hated this movie. Often, the change is small. Sometimes, by God's grace, the change is something big. A spouse will sober up after a long period of addiction. They'll become Christian after a long period of skepticism or hostility. They'll quit some dead-end job and embrace a new risky field. You know why our spouses can surprise us? Because they're alive. Because they're alive. And as long as a person is still breathing, they can surprise us. The Bible is the same way. The Bible is endlessly capable of surprising us because it, too, is alive. It's alive because in it and through it, Jesus, the living word of God, is present. He speaks to us through it. He calls us through it. He empowers us through it. And when we attend reverently and thoughtfully and prayerfully to the pages of Scripture, we will hear his voice. Fourth and finally, 
Following Jesus is a lifelong process of engaging with scripture and pursuing God in a community of faith. Pursuing God in a community of faith. Following Jesus is a team sport. It's a team sport. Have you ever tried to play baseball by yourself? It's sad and pathetic. Um, and following Jesus is the same way. Now, we all have to decide for ourselves whether or not we believe in Jesus. Certainly, that's an individual choice. Try as we might, no one can make that choice for someone else. But when we become Christian, when we decide to follow Jesus, we become part of a community. We become part of a community. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. The journey of discipleship is too challenging and frankly, too dangerous to do on your own. We need the help and encouragement other Christians offer. And for our own well-being and joy, we need to offer help and encouragement to other Christians. One of the blessings of Christian community is the unique insights and experiences other people bring to bear on the Bible and on the Christian life. And I'm here today in large part because I've been blessed by Christian community, by other people whose unique experiences and backgrounds helped me see the Bible and faith in a new and deeper way. Sometimes, of course, you'll sit down to study a passage in scripture, something you've read 20, 30, 40 times before, and you'll look at it, and all of a sudden, someone in that group will say, you know, I think of it this way, and a light bulb will come on. And you see that passage differently. That's happened to me dozens of times in my faith journey, and I'm sure it's happened to many of you. Sometimes someone will say something or share something that will radically change your perspective on faith, shake you up in a big way. When my wife, Becca, was in seminary, she read a book by a Latin American theologian named Gustavo Gutierrez. He wrote a lot about the poor, he talked about God's preferential option for the poor, how God has a special heart for those who lack material resources, how he's found among the poor in a special way. And she was really deeply affected by that. And then she looked up from her book and she said, you know, I'm sitting in a Starbucks in a strip mall in suburban New Jersey. How do I put this into practice? And so she went and she volunteered for a summer with World Vision. She wound up going to Africa, to a country called Zambia in Central Africa, and she was there for two months as an intern. And this was in the mid-2000s, so she saw the depths of the AIDS crisis there. She saw orphans without parents. She saw heroic parents raising eight or 10 or 15 kids who had been left behind by friends or relatives. She met people living without running water or electricity, in their homes, she met brave, faithful, persistent men and women who served them. She saw people who had nothing by Western standards, but were blessed and content in Jesus anyway. And that summer changed her in a very deep way. So it's not an exaggeration to say that our ministry here at Knox, our life experience to date has been profoundly shaped by those two things, by the voice of a Latin American Christian that she never met in person, and by those flesh and blood Christian saints that she met living in Zambia. Cultivating curiosity. It's something we've always done here at Knox and it's something we wanna to continue to do. Following Jesus our whole life long 
engaging with the Bible, and steeped in Holy Scripture. We want to keep pressing into the riches of Jesus Christ because as much as we've experienced of him, there's always more to know and more to learn. Let me end with this story. Um, This was shared with me by a congregation member who's recently gone through Great Banquet. Think back to when you were a child. Some of you are children, you don't have to think back. Most of you are adults. Think back to when you were a child. Think back to how you dressed. You wore clothes that fit you and that expressed your personality and stage in life. When I was 10 years old, I liked to wear sweatpants all the time. I wore as many neon shirts as I possibly could because they were considered really hip. I wore Velcro shoes because I couldn't be bothered to tie my laces. Now, you probably look back on your own childhood sense of fashion with a similar wry grin. For many of us, our Christian faith is a little bit like that. We grow up in the church, and if we're lucky, we acquire a faith that suits our tender age. That works for us at the age of 8 or 12 or 16. But then what happens? Everybody knows clothes wear out. They get rips and holes and tears. They need to be replaced. This is especially true for clothes in my house. As every parent knows, too, kids grow up. The shoes that fit perfectly in May are going to be too small by Christmas time. That favorite sweatshirt with the band or the video game on it becomes persona non grata and winds up at the bottom of the dirty clothes pile. We replace our clothes so that we can wear clothes that suit who we are today. Sometimes, with our faith, that doesn't happen. Our life experience grows, we grow as a person, but we still have the same faith we had when we were eight or 12 or 16. In terms of our faith, we become like a person who's an adult but is wearing children's clothes. I think we can all agree that it's very good that I'm wearing my adult clothes today and not the neon shirts I favored when I was 10. If we outgrow our youthful point of view, we've got to replace it with something else. That's why we cultivate curiosity here at Knox. Christianity is simple enough that a child of eight can understand it. And it is deep and profound and mysterious enough that we can spend our whole life digging around in it and never hit bottom. That's why cultivating curiosity is important. So if you're still wearing your childhood faith and it doesn't fit you anymore, it's not too late. Join a small group, come to a Bible study, go to Great Banquet, join a mission team, whatever you would like to do, you'll find your faith expanding to fit you better. Let's follow Jesus and cultivate curiosity together. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.